When you hear the phrase, soft as steel, what do you think of? While the word steel might conjure up images such as massive high-rise buildings, where does the soft part come in? And what exactly does this mean in our work and in our lives? Welcome to the Soft as Steel podcast with your host, Dennis Duran, featuring engaging conversations with a wide range of industry leaders around soft skills, how we practice love, inclusion, social justice, and compassionate leadership that's everlasting in the workplace. And now, here's Dennis Duran. My guest today began her journey in her country of origin, South Africa, doing traffic impact studies, working as a warehouse and distribution manager, a transportation manager, and a corporate finance advisor. These roles account for the first 15 years of her career journey. The next roughly 10 years took Roberta Nadella to South Korea, teaching English. For some time, and in her own words, helped engineers with the necessary public speaking and soft skills to maximize their career success. A lot of teaching English, and somewhere the engineers became a big part of her professional pursuits. She reminds them that they were promoted based on their technical skills, but discovered that engaging those they manage and lead post-pandemic is a nightmare. Her calling is to empower them with the necessary communication, presentation, and soft skills that will keep them performing at a higher level, doing less technical work, and more managing people work. Roberta, welcome to the Softest Steel podcast. Thank you so much, Dennis, for having me. Good. So did I do okay with the introduction? Yes, that was perfect. Yes. I'll supply you with a copy of that minimal charge for that. But uh, no, I'm only kidding. I'm only kidding. <laughs> yes, the podcast was the very last thing you mentioned. The very foundation of it was I've had this 15-year experience with engineers and now teaching English in South Korea and realizing the commonalities is the soft skills. Yes, mm-hmm. yes. Well, so keep sharing about that because I think it is interesting that you were around engineers for years in a variety of roles. So the personality the behavioral style, the way they communicate, there is a, what's the right word? There is a bias around what engineers are like. Yes. And so you dealt with a range of different disciplines throughout your different parts of your early journey. So you got to see a lot of different kinds of engineers. Mm-hmm. And then you started teaching English. So you saw all those engineers, then you started teaching English. Were the students engineers or were they engineers and all kinds of other people? So when I started teaching English, it was actually a much younger demographic in most cases. However, I would do those night classes of, I remember there was a university, it's a nursing college actually, that asked me, it's in a city called Jinju, they asked me to come and give night classes of graduates who were going to Australia for internships. And I remember the teacher saying, I don't want you to teach them English grammar and all the intricacies. I need you to help them learn because they were going towards the end of the year. And you know how in Western countries, you got your, especially in Australia, it's more like my country. The weather is warmer. So they will have all the Christmassy, all the beach and the barbecue, all of that. He said to me, teach them culturally how to adapt the English vocabulary for those moments and those occasions. So the need when it comes to English teaching is very different based on your audience. Um, And then there's a company called Belize that used to teach managers and senior vice presidents of companies like Samsung. And they would say, 
the grammar is not the thing, but globally, how should they interact with their American colleagues, with their European colleagues, South African colleagues? And what happens is, looking back at the engineering experience, I always say, first of all, nobody tells you at university that, you know how you're in high school and they say, you're the smartest, your future is bright. Nobody tells you that just being smart alone is not going to count and make the future bright. Yes. <laughs> Speak up. Yes. And we are also guilty of boxing engineers into this, oh, you're an engineer, you're a nerd. Oh, yeah, you're supposed to be an introvert and just do your work and show <laughs> us your brilliance. So we also play a part in that, unfortunately. Yeah, mm. yeah. That's terrific. So you're bringing right into this conversation. I think we're going to be talking a lot around communications, but you brought in another element of diversity as well by talking about being able to recognize, understand, and appreciate the differences in culture, mm. which somebody might argue, somebody my age in the United States might argue that, well, I don't really know, need to know much about that. I live in the United States. Um, and someone in, in your generation would probably counter by saying, you know, but we live in a global community now. Uh, we're, we're doing business around the world. We're trying to get along around the world. Some places we're doing great, other places not so much. But the point is there, there's more to understanding each other than simply what our ethnicity is, what our race is, what our gender is. Uh, there's this other thing, which, which, is, which is a big deal. Mm. Uh, and, and again, when you, and as, you, as you are, I think you're sitting in Chicago today? I mean, yes, just I was in Chicago all along in Pittsburgh at the moment. Yeah, yeah. So Chicago and Pittsburgh. Mm. Uh, so two different parts of this country where there, even between those two parts of the country, potentially are cultural differences. Wow. Yeah. Uh, but, but what you've described is that global sense, uh, and it's important to talk about. That's why I'm glad you mentioned it right up front. You know, in the construction industry, uh, you know, there's, there's a, a continuing challenge to try to find talent to bring into the industry. Mm. And much of that younger talent, uh, you know, English is their second language. Uh, or they, they grew up in a, in a household uh, with parents that, were, that originated in, in France or Germany or a Middle Eastern country. So the idea of, of culture, and you add that into the mix of that, that special audience that you've gotten to know well in those first 15 years, those engineers, mm-hmm. there's a lot there to, to, to deal with. And so what you are trying to help them do um, is understand that I'm going te- to teach you about communication and how to do it better. Right. Uh, that it, it is a skill uh, that you need to possess if you want to if you want to be successful. Say, what are your thoughts? It's funny you mentioned the cultural differences within the same country. If you know anything about my country, South Africa, we have a colorful history, also known as apartheid. Mm. It ended in 1994. My first job was in 1995, mm. and. What happened was you had a lot of, during apartheid, you had a lot of professions like investment banking, chartered accountancy, where like people were not allowed to even enter those markets and, and enter those careers. Mm-hmm. And now 95 things are changing. I remember I went to, the, the first engineering company I worked for, I was there for five years, but I was there in two different branches, my hometown in Durban and Pretoria, the head office. Pretoria is where our parliament, what you call Congress, is it's our D.C., mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And there, my country has 11 official languages. They, they are more Afrikaans-based, the Dutch language. Mm-hmm. Where I come from, it's all Zulu and English, mm-hmm. all of it. Mm-hmm. Even though I studied Afrikaans at school, it was a requirement, but nobody speaks it outside of school. Mm-hmm. So I, I got transferred there about two and a half years later, 
and there are meetings where in Afrikaans and I couldn't understand a thing. Hmm. And I thought to myself, why aren't these people paying attention to the fact that there's me now in this room and they need to switch to English? Because English is common to everybody. My country is running English. That was tough for me. Mm-hmm. That was tough. And then secondly, you have, so when we do the consulting, we usually have a construction company. The construction company is bidding for the job to say, okay, we're going to do the construction. And then they fill out these tender forms and how much they're going to charge for this and for that. And when 95 happened, you now had black construction companies suddenly working with these consulting engineering companies who were mostly white before, and there were communication gaps in there too. Wow. It, wow. it was rough. <laughs> yeah. It was yeah. rough. So all of these things fit into what I discussed today. Yeah. So why did engineers end up becoming a principal area of interest and focus for you? Mm. Because as I said, so I worked with them uh, as you introduced me. So I did transportation, economics, logistics. When we have a project team, we have me, civil engineers, we have environmentalists, urban planners, there's a whole lot of other professionals. And when you imagine how we need to work together to complete this project, Mm-hmm. And we don't fully understand each other's profession. I don't fully understand urban planning. So when they come to a project team and they have to explain to us what it is they're doing in the project that's going to feed into the whole picture, mm-hmm. they need to not only speak in urban planning vocabulary, but make it understandable for me. So when I go back and do my trans traffic impact study, mm-hmm. it's going to feed into that. And I know exactly how these two pieces come together. Mm-hmm. That alone is another communication skill to say, I speak engineering because this is my technical skill. But when I'm surrounded by the Minister of Transportation, who's a client, and the other professionals in the project team, I will speak these terms plus also translate them into layman's terms so they know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah. So um, the work you're doing now, Talk about, uh, again, how you approach the relationship you have with the people you're working with, uh, what your overall goals are in trying to help them, uh, and uh, a little bit about, you know, where you're enjoying success in, in bringing your your calling, really. I mean, again, in, in your words, um, you want to help engineers get better at public speaking, communicating, et cetera. That's, that's kind of what, what you're saying. So say a little bit more about that. Yes, because here's the thing, um, speaking of those same project teams, when there are 15 people in the room, and you know how when you have a multi-million dollar project, usually your company is not the only one that's appointed to do it. We're going to have a joint venture partner, another company that does the same thing, so we split the work, and we're going to have subcontractors where we say, okay, 10% of this, this element of the project, we don't have to worry about it, let another company do that, and then we just deal with the client. Mm-hmm. And, and and coordinate everything and just give them the ultimate summary of what's going on. When there's a room of 15 people, nobody remembers you if you don't say anything, no matter how brilliant you are. Nobody knows that you are brilliant. Mm-hmm. And let's be honest, Dennis, we are human, especially with bosses. If they say, oh, yeah, Mr. Minister, so here's what we we did here. Mm-hmm. And then he's pointing at the schedule. This is what we're going to do. This is how we're going to implement this. It 
doesn't mean he did it. Mm -hmm. But how does it come across? It comes across as if my boss was the one to do all the work. Mm -hmm. Because uh, the, the, engine, the civil engineer who did the CAD drawing is just sitting there. If he doesn't say anything and say, oh, yes, so when I was doing this, this is what I had in mind, mm -hmm. nobody's going to remember him. Yeah. As, as I said, so we were the first generation in some of those spaces. So if you speak up and you show that, hey, I, I did this and I know what I'm talking about, a few weeks later, somebody's going to call and say, you were really good in that meeting. Can we offer you three times your salary? You can come uh -huh. and work for us. You know, yeah. you will never reach success until you speak because you being brilliant and nobody knows does not serve you or the people that you're supposed to be serving. Yeah, yeah. So what you're what you're moving into is talking about again how how an individual needs to understand that their that their words are important, uh, how they say them, uh, the expression on their face, uh, being mindful of of what the other party is going to remember uh, as something good or positive about you. Uh, and something as simple as the example you gave where just using the word we instead of me uh, conveys an entirely different soft skill or quality uh, in you, the person speaking. So again, that's why I know you're, 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 the soft skills are also part of what you talk about. So it's a way of, of being remembered um, by not being memorable. Uh, yes. Just being, and 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 again, the the complicating factor is as I as I listen to you, um, I've never been in a setting where uh, I've I've only I've only worked in the United States, uh, and and I've and I was was out in trailers and at progress meetings on construction sites, et cetera, et cetera, mm -hmm. you know, several decades ago, uh, when things were in, in, in as far as the dimensions of diversity. And the issue of the level and type and competence of, of people communicating was very, very basic. Mm -hmm. uh, and, uh, and, and in part, it was probably as something as straightforward, blunt, and, uh, and obvious as the fact that 30 years ago, when you're sitting around that room with the representative of the owners and the general contractors and the trades contractors and the engineers and all those other people that are there at a, at a progress meeting, you look around the room and what do you see 20 and 30 years ago? You see a room full of white guys. Everybody's the same. <laughs> Everybody's the same. But but again, you and I both know because you're, you're, you've learned much about this through your journey. Mm -hmm. Even though they look like all they're just all white guys, mm -hmm. that's that that's just two aspects of of what they are. There's many other things like you don't know what a person's background or experience or what they learned from their parents or what they were taught in school, how they were taught in school. None of that stuff is obvious just by looking at somebody. All you can right. you get is the color of their eyes, the color of their hair, the color of their skin, and their gender, and that's it. Yeah, but there, but 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 that's not the end of the story. Please, not say. at all. Back to the Afrikaans example. When I moved to the head office, yes, it's white guys. But if a white guy came from my home province, he's also not fluent in Afrikaans. Right. So when he used to be sent to the head office for two, three business <laughs> business trip, three days, he also would struggle. Because we are just not a province, which we call a state here. We are not yeah. a province that's fluent in Afrikaans. And so he would also struggle, even though he looks like them, the other white guys in the company. Yeah. So like you say, it's not just the optics, but there's so much in, in difference and in diversity that feeds into it, not just how people look. Yeah. 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 
And I don't know. I don't know. This might be a little bit of a stretch. It's interesting our, our, where our conversation is taking us. And I think for the audience that may listen to it, it's, I think it's going to be fascinating to listen to this. But it, it kind of, you know, as I think about that, um, it, it takes me to saying that we can use the language issue that you've described in, your, in that setting. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks the same, doesn't speak the language. You right. Know, it's the essence of, of that individual. Um, today, in, and I'll just talk about here in the, in the States, uh, my, my, my perspective is that in a room uh, where you have participants in a progress meeting, uh, that you may, you may find women in that room, mm-hmm. but not necessarily. Uh, because as you are probably well aware of, as you pursue your your interests, and I certainly am very aware of it, uh, the participation by women in the construction industry is insignificant at this point. Single single digit number in terms of just the overall participation in the construction industry. Wow. So th- they may look like an engineer, uh, albeit a female engineer, but they're a woman, uh, and and that and that uh, that description. Um, creates issues uh, because of the long-held views of older generations and the dominant uh, presence of white males in the construction industry. Does that is there is there does that kind of analogy make any sense to you? And if it does, what are your thoughts? When you mentioned gender, and remember, I said that we uh, this boom of new construction companies in after '94 when we reached democracy. Remember, construction is, you know, it's it's a heavy labor mm-hmm. uh, type of industry, and I remember specifically there was someone in our project team who said, "I knew to see more because usually when they send their company information, it's just the founders or the directors. Mm-hmm. You know, you don't know you don't know who the employees are. You, you know, just just the summary, the, the the top guys." And I said, "Everybody here is female." This is a very heavy lifting job, so to speak. How are they going to do this? Mm-hmm. So now the female factor is a hindrance to you doing the job because this is construction, and it's a, that I remember that comment specifically, and I thought to myself, "Wow!" So the, not only were they prevented before from entering the industry, now that they're here, the fact that they are not males. Is going to mm-hmm. be a, a new problem to deal right. with, right? Right, <clears throat> which is unfortunate. Uh, but the people that have a, a, a bit more of a sensible outlook on on the importance of expanding the the uh, the source of n- new entrants into the industry as empl- as personnel workers, uh, and also recognizing that uh, uh, the practical reality is. That if you look across the population of men in the industry, mm. they're not all strapping strong fellows that can <laughs> lift tons. Uh, they're not all bouncer size. <laughs> no, they're not all bouncer size exactly. So, you know, it, but that, but that's that's the that's the that that's the way it's looked at by people, um, and uh, uh, and 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 which is absolutely foolish, but nonetheless, it exists. Uh, so there, there are a lot of beliefs about uh, about how we deal with differences, 
uh, the term is also they, they use the term diversity, mm-hmm. uh, and then we progressed a bit by by going to be a little more proactive and not simply recognizing differences, but recognizing them, accepting them, and then doing everything we can reasonably uh, in, a, in, a, in, a, in an equitable fashion uh, to provide individuals access to opportunity, uh, and that's what inclusion is all about. Uh, so, so we have a lot of work to do. So, as you're as you're working with these engineers, trying to help them develop and improve the skills, and you mentioned, and again, also implied in your mention of soft skills, it, is that I'm sure that you talk about uh, understanding themselves, getting a handle on what their personality is like, taking an honest look in the mirror uh, to determine if there are aspects of how. Uh, they present themselves in situations where they are not now simply doing a transactional conversation, but they're in a position where they're trying to influence people, uh, both the, the people that work for them as well as their customers, uh, and that there are there are better ways to do that than the traditional ways. Your thoughts? Yes. Um, as I said earlier, first of all, let's admit that we are also guilty of saying, you're a nerd, you're brilliant, you're supposed to be an introvert and not have mm-hmm. social skills. I remember, my, I'm 47, so my generation used to think nerds are going to be the last ones to have girlfriends because <laughs> they don't have the social skills to go and say, hey, would you go out with me for an ice cream? Uh-huh. And so some of them, they do embrace that, so to speak. They do say, if society expects me to be this way, so let me just go with that personality. So let me just be that way and prove them right. And that comes with when the boss says, "Um, we have a a potential client and they want us to come and, you know, tell them about what we do, make a presentation and see where this goes. They would be the last one to volunteer because they are expected to not be, yes, me. You know, you know, the front sitting student in the classroom yes they they are usually the back ones Mm -hmm. and so even at work that's the behavior that they display they would not volunteer for i have someone who he literally told his boss he said when his boss said please go and make a presentation to this potential client they want to find out what we do and if there could be synergies he pointed at his other colleague he said please get him to do it i'm very afraid to stand in front of people Mm-hmm. He's now in his 40s. He says, years later, I've seen how that colleague of mine that I pointed at and said, boss, get him to do it, has, his, his career has soared. Mm-hmm. And not that he's smart. Mm-hmm. He's smart. Not that he's smarter because I gave in to the fears, because I gave in to the, I'm just going to sit at my desk and show how brilliant I am and what I mm-hmm. did at university. To that, mm-hmm. he can, re- he, looking back, hindsight, now realizes how much yeah you know and uh and and fear is a real thing uh with people uh there's all kinds of reasons to have to be afraid of something uh and if if you don't understand and again i think i'm sure what you're finding is sometimes these folks uh, they may express i I don't want to get in front of an audience but uh, or get in front of people i just i just can't do that and that's obviously a fear-based consideration but if they if they were helped to understand why mm-hmm. uh, they have the fear, uh, what what they what they what they may lack or what experience they may not have had, even experience in being able to to learn 
uh, how to do something like stand in front of a group okay. of people, um, learn how to how to how to work with an organized presentation, uh, work and learn how to put together a simple keyword outline to help move them along as they're making it. Just all those things that they could learn, uh, and 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 as long as they don't stop and say, well. I don't know. I don't know if I, you know, I don't know if I can learn those things. I don't know if I want to learn those things. Um, but if they don't want to, uh, what they're doing is missing an opportunity potentially that they don't necessarily see. Uh, but 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 there are there are very few organizations where you enter into a, a position with the organization and you may progress to a point, uh, but then you, suddenly you hit you hit a you hit a block, and the block has nothing to do with your technical okay. competence. Nothing at all. Um, uh, in some organizations, they'll take that technical, technically competent person, and all of a sudden, you know, w with the waving of a wand, they're now a project manager or they're now a supervisor, um, and they don't have the tools they need to manage uh, people with regards to their com their communication mm -hmm. and soft skills, which is what you are harping on these folks about why you need those things because. Just you know, knowing, knowing the job, knowing what we do, obviously is fundamentally important. That a company doesn't a company doesn't hire us because we don't know no, what no, we're doing. No, no, We have to know the job. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. But it's the how. It's the how we do what we do, and that means how we interact with people that work for us as, as well as the people that we that work that we oh. work for. So it's our our personnel and our customers. Uh, and communication and an appreciation for soft skills that are important, your, what your values or your characteristics are, is all part of what you need to do in order for, for, for us as a business enterprise to be successful. That's right. Uh, when, you, when you speak of the fears, sometimes I would ask them, I said, when you were giving a book review at school, you know, oral exams and your teacher's going to grade you by standing in front of the class and say, okay, here's what I think of Shakespeare and all that. Some of them had moments when their classmates would laugh at them. Mm -hmm. So that would also build up the fear as they grew up. Mm -hmm. Some of them, it must have been something they did. Maybe they were just not listening to the teacher and the teacher punished them by being in front of the class because teachers know that a lot of kids are afraid to be in front of their classmates. Mm -hmm. So if you implanting a subconscious that standing in front of people is a punishment and you grow up with that mm -hmm. or it's something that is humiliating because when a teacher does that they're literally humiliating you so that Dennis you'd never become this naughty student again you will always behave until the end of the year that, that that's that's how teachers mm -hmm. think at least sometimes so when they dish out that punishment and the punishment is stand in front of the class you grew up with that, that if I stand in front of people, it's a humiliation. Mm -hmm. And especially if I say something wrong. How many wrong things have I said since we started? A whole ton. I've had slip of the tongue. I've stuttered. But does it mean that I said, oh, Dennis, please, let's cut this short. I'm making mistakes here. Right. You know what I mean? So they don't mm -hmm. see it like that. So now you have to start them with, one, you need to disassociate disassociate being in front of people with it's humiliating i'm being judged you know just like the classmates i'm being judged they're waiting for me to do something wrong and then it's going to go viral and they're going to post me on twitter mm -hmm. and secondly when you take the focus away from yourself and remember that listen i know a thing or two 
about my technical skill and it's going to benefit these people that I'm asked to present to, make it about them. Mm-hmm. Great. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, that is, that, that's such a, a simple but a powerful thought. Uh, again, you know, one of, the, one of the reasons that people trip all over themselves mm-hmm. Uh, in, in a lot of situations, is because they're thinking about themselves. Yeah. Um, is my dress they're, okay? They're the... What are they gonna think? Mm-hmm. Is my lipstick good? Mm-hmm. If how how do they think someone who sounds like me? Also, back to being a, a teacher in South Korea. Remember that those countries where they don't speak English as a first language, they feel like we judge them. As the mm-hmm. and my friend doesn't like this term, native speaker. They think we judge them on how they sound, their accent and that they should speak perfect grammar, which we also don't sometimes, and they should speak perfect grammar. And so that's when they hold themselves back even more. If they get a job at Silicon Valley, they are afraid to make a presentation because their other colleagues who are American are going to pick up on their Asian accent, and then they're going to judge them. I said, all those things you just mentioned, Mm-hmm. are not the focus of why you are going to be presenting and telling right. them that this is right. the software that I've come up with. This is how it's going to benefit Amazon and make things better and more efficient because that's what they're interested in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As we come, as we come close to the end of our time together, which is a bummer, this is, this is, we just got st- barely started here. <laughs> I think I think Juan must be running the a, a clock that's fast or something. <laughs> um, uh, what's you know, for our listeners again, based on the on your body of work and what you're doing currently? Um, what's what's the uh, and again, thinking that we're talking, we talked about engineers quite a bit because you're you're doing a lot of work with engineers and you have a lot of experience being around yeah. engineers. Uh, so it's so, and that's and they're a hugely important role in the construction industry. Oh. Uh, need, need I say more? Um, but what's the, what's what's your you know your your major takeaway uh, with regards to uh, the the op, the need and the opportunity to improve uh, your communication skills as a professional? What's your what's what's the what's the most important thing you want to say to people that are trying to understand? Well, I don't why am I taking this workshop and practicing this stuff and and doing active listening exercises and this and that? Why am I doing that? What's your what's your biggest takeaway for them? As you mentioned earlier, I think you asked me a question about self awareness. First of all, mm-hmm. find out who you are and establish why you have the fears you have. And we've given examples like you were humiliated at school or whatever you associate being in front of people is for you. Mm -hmm. And then secondly, the world doesn't benefit from anything that sits on a hard drive and nobody knows about it. Mm -hmm. So think about that. Mm -hmm. And when you know yourself, you will let go of the idea that you are supposed to sound like someone. And I've met a lot of people who think, Oh, uh, please turn me into a female Tony Robbins. No, you've got the wrong person for that because that is not the goal. The goal is to take the strategies that you should apply in order to make your audience understand what you do and how it benefits them and the value in it. But you must still be yourself because guess what? People like people who are just comfortable with themselves. The audience can pick up if you're trying to be something you're not. 
and if you think I'm supposed to be perfect and then I'm going to put on my li-, that's not what they focus on in fact I remember I had someone on pod match where I find some of my guests approach me and he wrote me to say please can I be on your podcast and I listened and said but you talk about yachts and ships and boats I don't know anything about that and then he said please just give me a chance and we were on a zoom call doing an interest reporter I've been listening to you. You have so much fun with your guests. I said, I have to just talk to her, even if it's not relevant. <laughs> That's great. You have so much fun. You know, I'm like, oh, okay. I didn't think at the time that my personality had anything to do with what I do. Like, let's talk about soft skills and communication and how it helps your career. Yeah. But just that, because I don't try to be, there's so many podcasters who are successful and I get some of the tips and strategies from them. Mm-hmm. But I must still be Roberta. Yes. I must still be me. Yes. So if I say, oh, Joe Rogan sounds like this. And then when I speak to Dennis, here's how I'm supposed to sound. It's not going to resonate. Right. So right. be yeah. yourself while incorporating those strategies. Yes. And just remember so many examples. There is no benefit to you hiding your brilliance just because you're afraid to stand in front of people. And it's going to help your career. Yes. Yeah. relationship building we had contracts we were given without bidding for them because they like my boss mm-hmm. who yes. yes yes because he first of all politicians require a lot of patience but he was patient uh-huh. with them and all their time wasting tactics <laughs> yes you know things come to you when you know how to work with people people like to work with people they know like and trust yes yes get the technical like you said dennis first and foremost know the job yeah that's a given but add the personality part to it and just bring yourself. People want to know you with the technical and all the strategies. Yes, yes. One way of summing it up is you said powerful thoughts. Be true to yourself. It's a phrase that's out there floating around, which is important. Said another way, we need to be honest with ourselves, both to understand what our strengths are and what our weaknesses are. Mm. Be willing to work on the weaknesses, but not let them defeat us. Not let them hold us back. One of our weaknesses may be, again, having to do with our level of self-confidence at standing in front of a room of people. That's something that can be worked on and improved upon. Everything that we've talked about revolves around communication, presentations, soft skills, relationships. It all boils down to that simple thought. To underscore it, you were talking a lot about the importance of being authentic, being who you really are. Being somebody else or trying to be what you think other people think you ought to be is just not going to win the day because it's like telling lies. Some people are known as telling lies all the time. And people say, well, they never get caught because they're really good at it. You know what? Eventually they get caught. You know what my dad used to say about a lie? You always got to make up a new one to keep up with the old one. Exactly. (laughs) So just be you. You don't have to think about it. And people connect with that. And even if you present in front of one person, if you are you, they will say, this was so good. You know what? I know other people I can introduce you to. Right. Because they felt you, the person, bringing that technical and all the strategy. Yes. Yeah. And this conversation was so good. And I want to thank you for being my guest today on the Softest Deal podcast. Thank you so much, Dennis, for having me. I hope I was able to deliver some of the information you were hoping that I would. Yes, absolutely. No, it was a great conversation. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Thank you. Take care. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us today for this episode of the Softest Deal podcast with your host, Dennis Duran. 
Dennis is the author of Soft as Steel and a leading speaker and trainer for organizations across many industries and verticals. To learn more about the work Dennis is doing to activate soft skills in the workplace, contact him at DennisDuranSpeaking.com. Be sure to check out his book, Soft as Steel, on Amazon or wherever books are sold. You can subscribe to this podcast on iTunes or wherever you'd like to get your podcasts. And please remember to share this episode with your friends, colleagues, and anyone you feel would benefit from the conversation. We'll see you next time on the Softest Steel Podcast with Dennis Duran. Produced by Autovita Studios. Connect your voice to the world.